0: Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. If you'd open up your Bibles to the book of Esther, that's where we're going to be studying today and I'm telling you, this is a phenomenal book. I'm so excited Jordan is not preaching today. Not that he's not an excellent preacher, but I like to preach some good stuff too, okay? But as I was preparing the message, I was thinking about uh, people that find themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Uh, And I, I I know my audience. I know the people I'm preaching to, and I understand that there are probably people in this room who have found themselves really in extraordinary circumstances. But earlier this month... Uh, in Hernando County, uh, it's in the middle of Florida on the Gulf Coast, uh, there were two sheriff's deputies, and they were in the right place at the right time. They were having lunch, taking a break on the river. They were uh, Marine sheriffs. And when I read that the first time, I'm like, they're Marines and they're sheriffs, or what's the deal? No, they are sheriff deputies who are on the water, uh, patrolling the lakes and the rivers uh, of their area there in Hernando County. And they were taking a late lunch break on January 3rd, and as they were eating their lunch, they heard the screams of two people and looked out into the river and saw an overturned canoe. They saw a man floating in the river. That's all they saw. But then they heard a woman cry out, my baby. And then they jumped, uh, both deputies jumped on one personal watercraft and went out to the canoe in the fast-moving river and saw that there was a woman there floating in the river, a man, and an upside-down car seat floating downstream in fast-moving currents. Um, The sheriffs, uh, one of the sheriffs reached out, grabbed the baby seat, hauled it into the personal watercraft, turned it over, and saw about what looked like a a four-year-old girl, or maybe a little bit younger than that, four-year-old girl uh, who was not responsive and not breathing in the car seat, and also not wearing a life jacket. Uh, at this time, the, the the mom tried to jump on the personal watercraft, too, which almost swamped it. You know you hear about this people who are panicked they 're not acting rationally, and so she 's trying to jump on this thing so the deputy he, he takes the watercraft he takes the baby to the shore to assess the situation and as hes administre- as he 's assessing and administrating care to the girl, she begins to cough and cry and breathe again and These two deputies are credited with saving this baby 's life and Ticketing the parents for not putting a life jacket on the baby, which is, which absolutely should happen, right? But this baby is saved because these two deputies were just in the right place at the right time. I mean, they're sitting on the shore eating bologna sandwiches, and the opportunity for extraordinary action comes to them. And uh, I, I think it was probably just like any ordinary day to them, giving tickets to people drinking too much, floating down the river, whatever, just blah, 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 the mundane. Part of being a sheriff's deputy and 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 uh, if you've ever been with a police officer, I know we have some police officers in the in the house today too, but most of their job is paperwork. most of their job is not this exciting stuff you see on cops and, and things it's it's paperwork and just people being belligerent and 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 not nice and and here they have this extraordinary opportunity to save this little baby girl who would most likely not be alive uh, if it was not for their heroic actions but today. This is much like the story of Esther. We see a woman who is just minding her own business and is introduced to some extraordinary circumstances. And she responds and saves not just one, but her entire nation of people in exile in Persia. The story of of Esther takes place deep in Persia. Esther's family did not return to Jerusalem, did not go back to rebuild the temple, but stayed in the country of their exile. And Esther was an orphan. She was under the care of her older cousin, Mordecai. And the author of the book is, uh, of Esther is really not known. We know it's not written in the first person. We know Esther didn't write it. Most likely, Mordecai wrote it uh, several years later, maybe a couple decades later, to, to remind the people of the origins of Purim, which is the celebration of Israel's survival. And I'm just going to kind of bring us up to speed, okay, because we're not going to read the whole book. But King Ahasuerus decided to throw a lavish festival for himself, the guy has no shame. Uh, all right, I'm throwing a party. It's about me. Uh, everybody come. And he's going to celebrate his wealth and his power. Have, has anybody ever been to Munich to see the treasury uh, in Munich? It's really interesting if you've been to the, uh, what's the Tower of London where they have all the crowns, the jewels and stuff in London, that's cool too. And you see all these plates and stuff and they're made of gold and the cups, you know, and if you go on the tour, they, they tell you they never use these things. They were just there to demonstrate wealth and power. And that's exactly what King Ahasuerus is doing. He's demonstrating his wealth and power by throwing these feasts and putting out gold plates and gold cups and actually letting people use them. And as part of his showing off, he decides he's going to bring out his queen, Vashti. And she's beautiful, and he's going to bring her out and show her off. He's not very woke, okay? Ahasuerus is not very woke. He brings out his lady, basically who he considers his property to show off and she refuses she refuses to take part in this and as a result she is dethroned and kind of placed in exile okay that just that quick she's out and so the king is on the prowl for a new bride he's looking for a young lovely virgin and somehow Esther who is lovely is brought to his attention And she's taken from Mordecai, and she's brought into the palace, and she's put under beauty treatments for months before she can even meet the king. And when she is presented to the king, he is pleased with her. And once she enters the court, she becomes queen. Now, during this time, there's another guy in the court, the second in charge. His name is Haman, a greedy, power-hungry man who somehow made enemies with Mordecai. You want to find out how? You can read the book of Esther. But he became Mordecai's enemy, and he sought to destroy not just Mordecai, but all of the Jews. How many of you know that the Jews have been under persecution for a long, long time? Isn't just in recent modern history that somebody has sought to destroy all the Jews? They have been a persecuted people throughout their history. And somehow Haman convinces the king to sign a proclamation in every city and every village in Persia that they are to rise up and kill every Jew living among them. And Queen Esther's cousin Mordecai pleads with Esther to ask the king to reverse this edict and save the Jews. And this is where we pick up our story. This is where we're at in our story. So we're going to be starting in Esther chapter 4, verse 6. Hathic, this is, Hathic is a eunuch. Eunuchs sometimes were castrated, sometimes not, but they were in charge of the queen. Okay, uh, taking care of her. They went out to Mordecai in the in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact same of money uh, Haman had promised to pay the king into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain to her, and command her to go to the king and beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. Then Hathic, uh went and told Esther what Mordecai had said, and Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and all the people of the king's providences know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law, be put to death, except to the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. So what we see here is that Mordecai sees the imminent threat that is upon him, but Esther doesn't see it. Okay? She doesn't, she, number one, she may not be aware of it, even when she is brought when it is brought to her awareness. We see Esther's humanity here. She's responding like any of us would respond, right? In fear in fear she knows that if she goes and talks to the king that it could probably mean her death i mean the what happened to vashti is still fresh in her mind okay she sees that that and she she may have e- may have even witnessed other people going before the king without invitation and being executed as a result regardless she has very real fear because she knows the law she knows how it works and she's not sure she wants to confront the king Now you think about this. This is a weighty thing. She knows that her people are going to die. But still, she's hesitant to go before the king. Why? Why did Esther feel this way? Well, I think a couple things. Number one, this orphan girl who had nothing had been brought into the palace and she was very safe and very secure and very comfortable exactly where she was at. All right. How many of you know that that doing, going to the next level, whether it be spiritually or professionally, what, what often prevents us is being comfortable where we are, right? Being comfortable where we are. And here she is very comfortable in the palace. She wants for nothing. But there's a real struggle happening. There's a real struggle for God's people outside the palace walls. And until she gets out of her comfort zone, nothing's going to change. In order for us to help others, we must be willing to leverage our influence, our authority, our wealth, our time to do so. It's going to cost you something to help others. Okay, it's going to cost one of these resources, influence, authority, wealth, or time to help other people. Esther was clearly afraid of approaching the king without permission. And I think her fear is, is a healthy natural response right i think all of us would be afraid of losing our lives and going before the king but fear stands as an enemy to those who seek to do god's will and as a friend to those who oppose god listen fear is an enemy to those who seek to do god's will but it is a friend to those who oppose god it is the biggest tool of our enemy fear Fear—it's what keeps us from doing what God has really called us to do. And as God's people, we're having—we uh, ha- as God's people, we have nothing to fear as long as we remain in the center of God's will. Nothing. Jesus said this: "I will never leave you or forsake you." So we can confidently say, "The Lord is my helper; I will not fear what can man do to me." Hebrews thirteen five what can man do to me if we are in the center of god's will what can man do to you what can what can actually be taken from you that is of real value nothing nothing we can't forget that though esther is the hero of the story and she's a profound hero for sure that initially she was afraid to act that she is human and why why do i say that because when we read the stories of esther noah Moses, Ezekiel, Elijah, Elisha. When we read these stories, we think of superheroes, man. Stacy and I just re-watched Endgame last night because I'm a geek, right? And she's a geek too. And so we, we watched Endgame last night. And we saw this, this, this huge order of heroes fighting against a supernatural foe. And we think, we th- you know, sometimes we liken Bible heroes to those kinds of heroes, Right? People who have like some kind of supernatural ability or power. But in the Bible, our heroes, these great men and women of God, they're ordinary people. They're ordinary people. The supernatural comes from God, not from themselves, not because they were irradiated and turned green or, or because they were the, a victim of some cosmic event, but because God is working through them. They are ordinary people, and we cannot forget that Esther is just an ordinary person, more than ordinary Esther was an orphan, and in this time and in this culture, nothing was expected of orphans. There was no family to care for them, nobody to raise them up. But fortunately, she had Mordecai, who took her under his wing. Esther was also a minority. She she was a minority in her culture, and minorities have been marginalized throughout history, wherever they find themselves. Esther was also a woman, lessening her value in the culture and times that she was in even further an orphan a minority and a woman and Vashti was was banished just for for being unwilling to be paraded as a trophy wife okay and 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 uh, women were regarded as property they just you know who cares Vashti I just get another one all right no big deal but by all accounts, nothing should have come of Esther. Nothing. If she would have just—if become a beggar on the street, that would have fulfilled every expectation. But at best, maybe she would marry and have children and, 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 and kind of make it into the, the culture's middle class of the time. But God saw fit to elevate Esther, that she might be an instrument to save his people from destruction. Go with me to Esther four twelve through 17. And this is the response of Mordecai to Esther and Esther expressing her fear. Then they told Mordecai what Esther had said. And Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether or not you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go and gather all the Jews in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, day or night. And my young women will fast as you do. And then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything Esther had ordered him to do. So here, Esther is being convinced by Mordecai to act. Now, Mordecai is the guy in all of our lives who makes us uncomfortable. The truth is, we all need a Mordecai. We all need someone like Mordecai. Someone who is willing to challenge us beyond ourselves to rely on God and His grace to accomplish what seems to be impossible. We need somebody spurring us on. Now, church in the Western culture has been mainly a forum of encouragement, where the person stands up front and tells you how great you are, what a great job you're doing, that you're just doing, you're being an awesome Christian just for showing up at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, that that makes you awesome. And, and everything is awesome, awesome, awesome. It's like the Lego movie almost. Sometimes churches feel like that. But the truth is, we need somebody who's going to challenge us too. And it doesn't always have to come from the front, from the pulpit, because this is easy to stand up here and say whatever I want. I have the microphone. All right? But we need people in our lives who really know us to challenge us. We need Mordecais in the church who will challenge the church to do more than they ever thought possible. But many of us do everything we can to exterminate the Mordecais in our lives. To silence those voices who are challenging our calling, challenging our holiness, and challenging our faith. We want to snuff those voices out because in truth, we just want to be safe, comfortable, and, and rest easy in the palace. We don't want people to come disturb us and kick our pillow. We don't want people to do that. We, we, we do almost everything we can to get those people out of our lives. I, I mean, I promise you people leave churches with pastors who stick them in the heart a little bit, okay, or step on their toes or maybe even kick in their kneecaps sometimes. I mean, you know, that happens, but the truth is that's the call of the pastor. That's the call of the growth group leader. That's the call of those God has placed in our lives in authority, spiritual authority, to challenge us. Yes, we're to be encouraging, But we're not to encourage just for the sake of encouragement, amen? We're to encourage those things that are God-fearing, and we're to bring correction to those things that are not. And Esther also had great wisdom and demonstrated great faith that she would not move forward unless she was moving forward in prayer. Holy cow. I'm running really late. I'm sorry, but I'm going to finish. Carl Barth said this, To clasp hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. It's also been said, do not pray for easy lives, pray for stronger people. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers, but pray for powers equal to your tasks. Andrew Murray said, beware in your prayer above everything of limiting God, not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what God can do. Yeah, so powerful. Esther understood that the task to save all of the Jews was bigger than herself, but that it was not impossible. God often gives us more than we can handle. The saying, there's an idiom that kind of goes around, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. That's a lie. God often gives you more than you can handle on your own. Because God wants to do the impossible through you. He wants to do things through you that you cannot do on your own. That's the beauty of being a Christian and having the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. We are not limited to our own abilities, our own skills, our own talents, or even our own education. Because God lives in us and works through us to accomplish the will of God. Somebody say amen. God often gives us way more than we can handle. I, I can personally testify to this. I, I am I, this year, I have been out of the military for twenty five years. And uh, it was about twenty three years ago that I entered full-time ministry. And I cannot believe where I stand this morning with the distinct privilege of pastoring a wonderful church full of wonderful people, and just the idea that God has called me to 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 this is astounding to me. This is something that can never be accomplished in my own strength or ability. Those of you who know me know that's true. (laughs) Esther did not just believe that God could save her people. She decided to act on that belief. And just to summarize the rest of Esther's story, she follows through on Mordecai's plan to approach the king, but she does so in a very skillful way. She prepares prepares feasts for the king and Haman. She honors them. And then she reveals the plan to the king with Haman in his presence. She reveals the fact that she too is a Jew and the king is enraged that he's been manipulated by Haman. And he commands that Haman, who constructed gallows to hang Mordecai on, is hanged on those very gallows out in front of his house. And then he gives all of uh, Haman's possessions to Esther, who in turn gives them to Mordecai. And Mordecai gets Haman's old job. And we see this time and time again, that God blesses those people who honor him. He blesses them, and he's blessing Mordecai. He elevates him, uh, Mordecai and Esther to really second in command in all of Persia. Lastly, I just want to talk about Esther's courage. It was Esther's actions, not her intentions, that saved her people. It wasn't wasn't going to Bible studies five days a week. It wasn't wasn't, uh, giving even to missionaries. And it wasn't just saying, you know, I'm a Christian. I do this and I do this. It was doing those things. It was her actions. See, faith is demonstrated by our words but also our deeds. James says it like this. You want to get kicked in the teeth? You want to be challenged by a Mordecai? Read the book of James. You have faith, I have work. Show me your faith apart from works, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Church, listen. We demonstrate that we truly believe things by acting on those beliefs. We all know, at least the husbands in the room do, that actions speak louder than words. Amen? It's one thing to say you love your wife, it's one thing, another thing, to take care of the kids and do the dishes. All the wives said, "Amen." Knowing in the old '80s cartoon, you know, between cartoons where you know, like I would watch GI Joe uh, cartoons a lot and uh, Masters of the Universe, and between that, they always had uh, the more you know, right, kind of thing. And knowing is half the battle was the slogan, but it, hey, it's only half. What's the other half? Doing. Doing is the other half, right? It's not enough just to know what to do. You've got to actually do it. And that's where courage comes in. It takes courage to do what God is calling you to do. It takes courage to do what God is calling the church to do. To proclaim the gospel takes courage. To defend the marginalized takes courage. To be peacemakers in a world of violence and anger takes courage. To rise up against sin takes courage. And Esther's courage wasn't born out of nationalism. It wasn't born out of pride or determination, but it was born out of her faith in God. It was born out of her faith in God. It's important to distinguish that. That we don't if if we be if we become a nationalistic church, an American church, a German church, a Swedish church, a church where our, our allegiance is more to our nation than it is to our God, we miss the mark. It is God who reigns supreme over these United States of America, this German Republic. It is God who reigns over these things, not not politicians, praise the Lord, not those people that so many of us look to for our help. But it is God who is our deliverer. I'm I'm not sure the church needs more words. We seem to have enough Christian books, blogs, podcasts, and songs to last us a long time. Long time. Every Christian book that comes out, I'm like, I read that like 20 years ago. There's nothing new in there. It it just seems like there's nothing new. I don't know if we need more of that stuff. What the church needs to do is have more courage and start doing what God has called us to do. I mean, what good are all the books and podcasts and songs if they don't motivate us to act out on our faith and, and act out courageously on behalf of the kingdom of God? Think about the songs we sang today, Lord Reign in Us, about following Him, about believing Jesus Messiah. Think about the songs. If we just lived out what we sing every Sunday, what would the church look like? Church, we need courage fueled by faith, faith that God is God and we are not, that He is on the throne working for good, faith that He will give us what we need at the moment of truth, and then and only then will we rise to the occasion to beat back the enemy from our culture and our children. Church, my prayer last night as I was walking in here and praying over every seat and praying for our services, my prayer was, God, prepare us like you prepared Esther so that when the moment of our calling comes, we are ready to respond in faith to what you are asking us to do. These two sheriffs were sitting on the shore eating their lunch. But at the right moment, at the right time, their training and their preparation and there's just them being in the right place led to them saving a four-year-old girl. Church, if we will dedicate ourselves to knowing the Lord, abiding in him, preparing ourselves for some event that may not happen for years, but whatever, when when our time of calling comes and our opportunity to do something awesome happens, we will be ready. We will be ready to stand up and courage and do what God is calling us to do. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smccchurch.net. That's smccchurch.net.